listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. Luke, the 14th chapter. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. They throw it away. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. The Gospel of the Lord. That's a rough start to that text. I know that growing up, I was not allowed to use the word hate for anything. I couldn't say I hate lima beans. Hate was just one of those words. It's a powerful word. And here it is right from the start saying, unless you hate your father, your mother, your wife, your kids, your husband, your children, brothers, sisters, unless you hate them, that's hard. That's hard. So I did what any good preacher does. I tried to find some way around it. <laughs> you know, that, oh, he didn't really mean hate. He meant something else. And the word actually is constructed and da, 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 da. So I went into the Greek. Pastor Doug would be very proud of me. I went into the Greek and I looked at the word and I looked at the different translations and I tried to find a way around the words hate. <laughs> Can't get around it. It's just Hate. That is such a hard thing to think about, to think about hating my own kids, hating my wife, hating my mom. I'm not sure I could do it. In fact, when I really think about it, I'm, I, I just can't. I can't. So I guess that makes me a terrible Christian, right? But there is something there that we have to sort of wrestle with. I mean, we have to wrestle with this thing about what hate is. So I spent this week really thinking about and reading about this word and what what are we trying to get at when we talk about the word hate? One of the things that I've, I've run into is this really interesting concept of the idea of hate and the idea of love. You see, we typically think that the opposite of love is hate, that we think the opposite of loving something is to hate it. But actually, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is actually apathy. 
To not care is the opposite of love. Hate actually has something born out of love in it. I would hate something to happen to my kids. I would hate that. If I see somebody in pain, I hate that that's happening to them because I love that person too much that I hate to see what happens. When I see injustice happening to a person, I, I saw this week a black man who had the people that had uh, the police called on him for watering his neighbor's watering his neighbor's plants who were out of town doing a kind thing. He had the police called on him for being a black man, watering. I hate that. I hate that that's the first place people go. So there's something that's actually born out of love that we can come, that we have that urgh that turns to a hate. Thinking about my own life and, and situations in which might, I might have hated something Fortunately I, enough, I, I've, I've been blessed that I've, I grew up in a fa- fairly healthy family system, that I've never had to hate my mom. Hi, mom. I, yeah, you're welcome. I, my gift to you. I have never hated you. Or my dad. And I, I, I still have a fairly good relationship with my sisters and my brother. But I have seen things happen to people close to me people that I love very much, and I'm seeing right now one of them going through horrible divorce where his spouse is using Jesus as a weapon against him. That she's saying that he's not being faithful because he's not willing to tolerate her disease and dysfunction anymore. And that Jesus hates him because he's had enough. Enough of the dysfunction. I hate that. I hate to see God used as a weapon against somebody who's just trying to be a healthy life. I hate that. And I hate the disease that's within her, the disease, the dysfunction that she just lives with every day. I hate that she has to live with that. And I hate that she can't see a normal, healthy life. I hate that because I want the best for her. Do you see how that is? But I cannot allow her to use God as a weapon against somebody else. I also cannot tolerate that. Are you following me? This idea of hate means when we see something that we love, when we're driven towards justice and compassion and goodness, that there's going to be something that we're going to end up hating in the world. That's hard. I think what happens is that we really don't want a changed Life. And there's a lot in this. It's actually about choices and about the way in which we're living our life and the way in which we are called to live into the world in which we are about. And there's something about the way in which we live that, that I want us to live into a life that's about making the right things happen in the world, that there's goodness and life abounding. You see, I'm not sure I could ever hate my kids, but I want the best for them, Right? I want them to be the best version of themselves in the universe, right? Which means that I love my kids too much to let them stay the same. I love my kids too much to let them just be themselves in that sense of like making bad choices, right? 
I mean, think about it. Imagine if I had my own, thinking of my own children and thinking about my own kids and thinking about the way in which they're living their life. Imagine if I said to my kid, I love you so much. You're beautiful, you're holy, and, I, and I'm so glad you're my kid. I'm so glad you're mine. And so what I want you to do is I want you to pick your towel up off the floor and hang it on the hook so it doesn't get mildewy. And I want you to help doing the dishes and I want you to help as a part of that and I want you not to steal clothes out of your brother's closet. It's creating friction between you and your brother. So don't do those things. And then imagine my son saying, thanks, dad. Thanks for loving me like that. Thanks for doing that. And then he went and he leaves the towel on the floor, ignores the dishes and goes straight to his brother's closet and start taking the clothes out, right? Now, do I stop loving my kid when that happens? No, right? I love my kid regardless, but I am going to call him a dingbat, right? And I am going to say, no, no, there is a way in which you are called to live. There is a way in which you are called to be in the world. There is a way in which you are called to exist as a person in the universe. You see, this text about hating father and mother, it really isn't about hating. It's really about saying we are called to live in such a way that we are to live for the gift and gospel of Jesus Christ, that that Jesus has shown us a way to be in the world, that we are called to be transformed people living into that way of being in the world. And sometimes that means we have to turn our back on things that are not good. See, Lutherans, we get really... mm, when it comes to choices. We don't like to talk about choices because choices have been used as a weapon against us. We've said the choices you make depend then whether God loves you or not, right? We've said, if if you make the bad choices, God stops loving you and God will kill you, right? But that's not what we mean here. So let me just start with this. The first thing when we talk about choices is this. God chose you. You are God's own, and that will never change. That will never change. You are God's kid, and you will always be God's kid. But God loves God's kids too much to let them stay the same. Loves them too much, too much to let you just continue doing what you do and not be a transformed, changed person. God loves you too much to to say, no, just do whatever you feel like and I'm gonna love you anyways. That's not what God wants. God wants your hearts to be different. God wants our lives to be different. God wants our identities to be different. God wants us to live different. God wants us to be the best version of ourselves in the world, just like any good, healthy parent wants for their child. Are you with me? That's what God wants from us. There's a great book by this woman named Kenda Creasy Dean. She's a Uh, a professor at Princeton where uh, Lindsay, our our intern, had gone to Princeton. So she knew and took classes with Kenda Creasy-Dean. I'm jealous. And and she, uh, Kenda Creasy-Dean wrote a book called Almost Christian where she said, actually the gospel that we've given people is something called moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. Which means that we've told people generally, we want you to be pretty nice. We want you to feel better about yourself. And there's a God helping you do that. It's basically the sense of that, like, what God wants from you is that I'm going to tell you to be nicer to people. And if you don't, that's okay. I love you anyway. And just do your own thing. Those are Muppet arms. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) This is not what God wants. In the same way that it's not what you want for your kids, it's not what God wants. God wants you to have your life be different. 
to be developing your identity and living in such a way that the right things come out of you. And those are choices. There are choices involved in this and how we live. In our, in our text from Deuteronomy, it's the story of the people of God who've been walking through the desert all of these ways and they're just trying to figure out who they are. They call that 40 years in the wilderness Israel's honeymoon where they're trying to figure out what does it mean to be in relationship with God? How do we do this thing together? And God says, look, there's a way that brings life and holiness and goodness into the world. And there's a way that brings destruction. And I want to show you what the right life looks like. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never said, come, worship me? What does Jesus say? Come, follow me. This is about following in the way of Jesus and looking to Jesus and saying, I want to live like that. And this is not about behaviors. That's moralistic therapeutic deism where you're just trying to do the good things. No, God wants us to have a transformed heart and identity inside ourselves so that the right thing pours out of us, so that we're living out of an identity that is the core of our being. God wants us to be different, not just to be nice. God doesn't want behavior. God wants you. I don't want my kids just to be nice and that they're making nice choices. I want them to have kindness in their souls. Do you see the difference? I want them to have kindness in their souls. I want their identity to be kindness. I know that my own life has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus. That when I was in college, I did all the college stuff and I made choices there that were not healthy choices choices that were not good for the people living in and around me. I did not make good choices. And when I finally confronted the idea that there is a God, a divine force in the universe that is flowing through all things, that is driving me towards love and justice and caring for the other and loving the other and holding on to the other, I didn't have to change my behaviors. I had to change me. I had to be transformed. I had to become a new person. And it meant I had to hate some of the things that I'd been doing before, that I hated how I treated people before. I hated some of the decisions I made before. It meant that I couldn't have some of the same friends I had. It meant that I had to turn my back on my fraternity. And you know, you're not the popular kid at the fraternity parties anymore when you're the one going, all right, y'all, we're, we're over, we're doing too much now. Let's all settle down and let's all, and, uh, you know what I mean? That's not the popular kid at the fraternity party anymore but we had to have that transformed life. The reason I do what I do, the reason I'm in this work is because I understood that to say that Jesus is our God and Jesus is showing us a way in which we're called to follow, that means that old things are gonna have to die. And that means I wanna see life's change. I wanna see you different. I'm not doing this so that you can come in, feel a little bit better about yourself and then walk out the door and do everything like you've already done. I wanna see your life become more whole and full because there's something moving inside you that's creating a new way of seeing the universe. I wanna see the lights come on in your eyes as they did in my own when you finally confront this idea that there's a divine force drawing us into a whole life. I wanna see transformation, not nice. Do you see the difference? And I'm just here to tell you, it's costly. It's costly. It costs relationships. It costs some pain. 
It costs giving up some things that you might love. It costs decisions that you had made before that that mean you're going to have to make different decisions. But it's beautiful. And I'm just going to tell you from my own life, the amount of love and peace and patience I have of becoming a follower of Jesus where I wanted my life to be different rather than just my behaviors, I have a peace. It's not (laughs) pain-free, but I have a peace, and I want that for you too. I really want that for you too. Our series here is First Things First, and so I just want to place first right now. God wants more than anything anything is you and what God wants more than anything is to see you become the fullest person that you are and so God is inviting you to make choices about the way in you live that's going to transform your life that's what God is moving in us today now one more time just so we're clear if you make bad choices God still loves you let me be clear I'm not I'm not advocating that when you do something dumb which you will that a good parent loves you too much to let that choice be your identity and loves you too much to make that choice again. Do you see how that is? Just like a good parent. My son Abel just dropped him off at Roanoke College in Virginia, right, Virginia people? Yeah, Virginia people, Virginia people. They're, they're from the Shenandoah Valley, right, where my son is. I just met him. They're visiting us from Virginia. There's, there's churches closer. You don't have to come all the way here. But, you know, we're glad you're here. Thank you. We just dropped my son off at Roanoke College in Virginia. And we've been texting a lot and messaging each other a lot. And there was that day where I got a picture of my son and his towel was hanging up on the wall. And he said, I did all the dishes. <laughs> and he texted my mom and said, hey, the, dish, the um, clothes washers here are different. Can you show me how this one works so I can wash my clothes? But then here's what he said. He didn't say, mom, you would be so proud of me. I did these things. He said, I'm so proud of myself. Do you think any good parent seeing his transformation and growing into all the things that I've been telling him to do for a very long time. In the same way, God, who's been setting before you a path, a path that is the way of Jesus, a way of love and life, of caring and having a compassion for all people. Jesus has been setting that before you saying, do the, live like this. That's where life comes from. And the same pride that I had my son. Can you imagine God saying, yes, you were so kind to that woman behind the counter. Thank you. You were so good to those people. Your compassion is something I want to admire. This, this is the path that we're choosing today. I pray, I pray, I pray that you know the transformational power of the gospel of Jesus in your life. I pray that you know what that feels like. I hope that you feel the joy and the pain. I hope you feel them both. May your lives, may your lives be transformed. If you'll pray with me. God, thank you for loving us so much. Like a holy parent, 
and for choosing us to be your kids, for letting us be your created children. Thank you, God, so much. But God, we know you love us too much to let us just keep going on with the way we're going on. Invite us again into the way of Jesus. Show us again how to follow in his ways. Help us set down the things we need to set down so that we can live transformed lives in the life that Jesus is showing us. God, show, send your spirit to us. Fill us heart, mind, and soul that we would have the courage to make the choices that look and live in that identity that you're giving us. God, we thank you that nothing's gonna change that, but we also thank you for not letting us go. So in us today, God, transform our hearts, transform our minds, transform our lives so that we can become more and more like you every day. We pray these things in the name of love, whose name is Jesus. Amen.